You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Today's message is the first message in the series of Victory Lane, and this one is talking about guideposts and road signs. We have four road signs that are up on the stage here with me. The first one is the roundabout. The second one that we would be most familiar with, the traffic light, the traffic sign, then here we have winding road, and the fourth one is watch for falling rocks. Does anyone know, when you write, anyone that drives here will have memorized this book completely and written a test on it. Anyone have any idea how many road signs you needed to at least know, memorize possibly, before writing that exam? 96. There's 96 different road signs. I was going through this and some of them, are, oh, you're kidding. We're supposed to be doing that? <laughs> I'm teasing. It's really, it's interesting to review it and go through it, but as, you're, as a driver, you realize that there's actually a lot of signs that, you, that we go through and go, oh, okay, you've memorized them, you've taken them in because you want to be a safe driver. Well, today we're talking about some road signs in the faith walk and how we want to do that safely as well and to get from this point to ultimately to the destination that God has for us, and that is a life with him in eternity. The destination is not a point here on earth. There is no destination. The whole, the whole life is a journey until that point that we meet him face to face. 1 John 5 verse 4 is our key verse, and that's on your bulletin as well as in your notes. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Every road sign will take an act of obedience that can only be done by faith. Faith keeps us in the victory lane. You know, faith doesn't just keep us in the victory lane. Faith actually is the victory lane. The very asphalt of the lane is faith. And so that's the place that we want to stay in. We're going to introduce the series today by staying on that lane called victory. And that lane is staying in a place in our relationship with Jesus and keeping that sweet. There's two ditches on that road. One ditch is the ditch of worldliness or carnality. The other ditch is self-righteousness. Now, driving through the city in the lower mainland, there's not many opportunities beyond a street where there's ditches. But where I come from in Saskatchewan, there's a lot of ditches. There's a lot of roads with just these huge ditches on either side. And we don't want to be on either side of the ditch. You want to stay on the road. And sometimes when the visibility is poor, it's hard to see the ditch, but you know it's there. And we want to be aware that there is a ditch. There is a ditch of worldliness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 to 32, it says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Stop. We can grieve the Holy Spirit. When we use the word grieve, what do we associate it with? Usually death, the loss of a loved one. And so something has died inside us. And the Holy Spirit is saying, you know what, you caused that kind of pain in me when what? When? Well, we grieve the Holy Spirit with whom we were sealed for the day of redemption when we, if we don't do this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. In other words, to have that sweetness with him, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ, God, forgave you. 
Then the second ditch, the self-righteous, the judgmental, the religious spirit. Psalm 51, verse 10, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. It's interesting in our Christian walk that we may have come out of this ditch. We get onto this faith lane and then may fall back or just kind of slip on the, on the side of the ditch again and then come back up again and slip. And then you get to a place where you're, you're riding on the road and this is so great. And then there's the opportunity for the, for the faith walk to slip into this ditch. This is, either ditch is ugly. Either ditch is we don't want to be there. We don't want to be a place and look at, those, look at those people over on that side and say, oh, and if you just get your act together. If you just, if you just, pray, if you just prayed, if you just, man, if you just did, what's that? That's that ditch that Jansen Franklin was talking about earlier. So we don't want to be in this ditch. We want to pray for people and we want to help them out. I've shared it before, but we should always be in a place where there's someone that we can pull from, and there should always be someone that we're pulling up, and that keeps us as as a healthy believer. And if at any point in your Christian walk where you feel like, I don't think I'm pulling from anyone, or I don't think there's anyone pulling from me, ask the Lord to, on both sides, say, God, help keep me balanced. Keep that tension on both sides. Keep me balanced in my walk with you. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. On these particular signs here, we need, a, we need a right spirit within us. that He keeps a clean heart. These remind me of the road from Vancouver to Whistler. Did anybody drive that road prior to the road being completed and, and revised? When, the old road. Yeah, there's a number of you. Has anybody been on the road since it's been improved? Big difference, right? It's much more relaxing. It's much more enjoyable. Here's a stat that just came out. There's been dramatic drop in the number of crashes on the Sea to Sky Highway since the Twisting Mountain Route was upgraded for the Olympics last year, according to the Ministry of Transportation. According to figures released, there were, se- there were only 73 crashes last year in 2010, a drop of 66% from the average of 215 for the 10 years prior to that. That's quite a difference. And what happened? They improved the road. And that's a great stat, but in correlation to our walk with the Lord, just some improvements, just some changes help keep the crashes less and keep us focused on the direction that God has for us. So we're going to go through four different roadsides to these four that are up on the stage. These are the four that we're going to review today. C.S. Lewis said, the safest road to hell. This is an interesting just for those that are interested in the safest road to hell. Here it is. It's the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Speaking of signposts, I was doing some research on different signposts, and I came across a few humorous signposts, and I'm going to ask to have those up on the screen. I actually haven't seen any of these, and it might be a good thing that you haven't either. Danger ahead. Fasten seatbelts and remove dentures. Yeah. So if you haven't had implants yet, take the teeth out. You'll do much better. So that's, that's one road. Let's go to another one. This one's in North Vancouver. Very interesting. Attention dog guardians, pick up after your dogs. Thank you. Attention dogs. Gerbark, wolf, good dog. 
Yeah, so there's the sign for your dog when you're taking them out for a walk in North Van. Try to find that sign so that they too can, they know what they're supposed to be doing. Next sign. If you have at any point been driving on the number one highway recently, I think they should put this one up there. It's, that's great. And another one. I'm so glad I don't live on that street. You'd have to spell it out every time you gave that out, right? Okay, the next one. For all those people that don't correlate water and rain, yeah, there you go. And finally. You know, whoever put that sign up, you really have to give them some credit. At least they, they knew it was bad, right? They, they knew there were some problems. Just good luck. I'm, I'm cheering you on, so. We want to avoid having those type of signposts in our walk with the Lord and rather go to his word and find the ones that he has for us. And so the first one that we're going to start with is the roundabout. In the roundabout, it's the journey of life where there's numerous opportunities and choices. Do you know where you're going? Are you going in circles or have you made a a spirit-led choice? There's times in our life when we get on these roundabouts And you may have been one, an actual roundabout, and if you didn't know the right exit to take, very quickly you can just keep going and miss it. You have to do the circle again and you try to get off on the right one. That's what it's like with our life if we don't know where we're going and not committing our will. We can just go on this roundabout, just go in circles and circles. Or it's being led by the Spirit and having Him direct our path. We want Him to direct our path. We have plans and thoughts and ideas. We all do. We have all these goals, these dreams, things that we want to do with our life. But let me ask you this morning, if you've laid those down, those dreams, those desires at his feet, are you free to give them over to him, or do you want to stay on the roundabout and do it your way? Or do you want to possibly take an exit that he has for you that you never even thought about? Your direction may be take the exit that goes east and He knows the best direction for you on that roundabout is to go west. The question is, are you free to give it over to him? But I've worked so hard to get to this place. This is the direction. I knew I'd always be doing this. But can we give it over to him? Can we lay it at him? Can he say to you, can I have it? Do you trust me with it? Do you trust me with your future? Do you trust me with your education? Do you trust me with your position? Do you trust me in that relationship? Do you trust me with your children? Do you trust me in your marriage? Do you trust me? He's asking us that today. We'll lay it at the feet of Jesus and really trust because we think it's a great idea, but his idea is even better. Are we free to do that this morning? I throw that question out there for you today, and I trust that you will meditate on it, and he'll bring that back up to you. Because I believe he's asking us, church, if we're at the place to do that, where we're really ready to allow that journey and that faith walk that we're running on to lay it at his feet rather than our own, his plans rather than our plans. 
Because we know when we do that, those plans may be adjusted. And our week may not look the same as it does right now. And these slots of time that we have for things that are me and my time and I like to do, he, he just might mess with those things a bit. He, he might just rearrange them a little bit. He might just prioritize them a little differently. Are we ready for that? Today he's asking you, will you let me? It's a higher life. It's a better life. Let me get on that roundabout with you, and it may possibly be a different exit. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse, so choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants. Now, God is so wonderful to us because he sets before us life and death, blessing and cursing, and he says, so choose, but he tells us what to choose. He doesn't just leave the choice open. He's saying, I'm going to give you the answer. Choose life. Choose the right way. Choose me. If you do that, then what? Both you and your descendants will live. In other words, there's going to be a legacy beyond you. Your life will have meaning beyond the 60, 70, 80 years that you're going to be on this planet or more. Your life will have meaning beyond that. Wouldn't that be something? That he, can you imagine that my life could actually make a difference even when I'm not here? How wonderful if it's for the kingdom of God would that be? And you and I can both think of names that would come to you, maybe authors or, or people's lives that you've read, autobiographies of their, the great things that they did for the Lord. And they've already gone on to be, they've gone to heaven already. But they're lingering on in our lives right now because we're taking, we're extracting from their lives and it's putting faith in us to continue walking the walk of faith and keep staying on this victory lane. We could be that. That's what he's saying here. Choose life. Yesterday in our baptism class, we have a pre-baptism class where we go through the meaning of baptism. And uh, I let them, I, in, the ta in the teaching, said there's going to be two questions when you're in the water. There's going to be two questions you're asked. One is, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I said, just so you know what the right answer is, it's yes, just in case you're not sure at that point what to say. And the second question is, are you committed to follow him all the days of your life? And again, just in case you're not sure, the answer is yes. And if you can't say yes to both of those questions, please wait on your baptism until you can say that. Well, that's what God is saying here. Just say yes. Say, say life. I choose life. That's what I'm going to do. I'm, on that roundabout, which exit am I going to take? I'm going to take the one that says life, and that's the one I'm going to stay on. And it doesn't always make sense, but I'm going to stay on that. Your ultimate destination, what, is, what, what have your dreams been, your thoughts been for your destination with regards to your marriage? What about your finances? What about your giving? What about your volunteering? If we don't think about that, if we just keep going around and around this roundabout, which the Lord doesn't want us to do. The second one is the traffic light. God wants us to be led by his spirit. Now, this one is an interesting one because starting with the green light, the green light, as we all know, you just keep going. And there's in your spirit where the, where the, where the Lord resides, where the spirit of God resides in your spirit, man, he'll give us this green light, like just keep going. You say, God, it, 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 I feel really good about taking this change in vocation or this job offer or transfer or buying a home or any, any major, uh, this relationship that I'm in. 
I feel really peaceful about it. Well, you just keep going. He'll, he's leading you. He wants to lead us. Isn't that good news? This isn't some type of challenge for the Lord. He's not trying to say, this isn't a hide-and-seek game for him. No, he's saying, I want to lead you. Well, how do you know if he's leading you? Isaiah 55, verse 12 says, if you, go, well, you will go out with joy, and you will be led forth with peace. If you have a peace in your heart, you can continue going that direction. Now, the interesting thing about a peace in your heart is you can have a peace in your heart and have turmoil in your head. Because there can be this peace in your heart that you're doing the right thing, and in your mind, all these questions come, okay, well, if I, I feel really good about this, but if I do this, then this is going to happen, and people are going to think this about me, and then I have to address this, and, oh, I don't want to do it. And you, you can get up here, all these thoughts can come at us, but inside, just have to stop for a minute, go, oh, but it feels right. If I just stop at a point, and it feels right, so I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going in the same direction. I'm going to keep traveling down this road. The next one is the yellow light. Yellow actually means slow down, proceed with caution. In Vancouver, it means step on it. <laughs> but actually, the definition is slow, uh, slow down and proceed with caution. Sometimes there's decisions in our lives where he's just saying slow down a bit. It's not a complete stop like where you just feel like, I can't do this anymore because I just feel so, I, I just feel it doesn't feel right. It's just, it's, just be cautious. Well, what do you do during that time when you're just being cautious? Well, you get wise counsel. You just find out from some people that have been there and have done things you haven't done and gone places you haven't gone and you get their advice. You pray about it. You spend time say, God, I just, I'm, I'm laying this down. I'm writing it out. And I'm laying it at your feet. You lay hands on it. You say, God, is this your plan or is this a plan that I just think looks really good? Can you let me know? And he will. It's just that it's getting more counsel. It's, it's doing your due diligence. It's checking sources out and, and seeing whether or not this is actually a good choice for you. So it's that, yell, it's that season of being in a yellow life. And we have many of these in our walk with the Lord. There's more than one, just like there's more than one traffic light that we go through. Probably the most common of all of these signs would be the traffic light in our walk with the Lord where this happens. And then, of course, there's the red light, and that's just the ultimate stop. Don't go there. And you know that when that happens, it's just like, oh. But interesting, the reverse happens. When it's the yellow light, or I'm sorry, the, the green light, and you have this peace in your heart to keep going. Your mind can say, don't do it, don't do it. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. When it's the red lighting, you just feel like the Lord just stopping you. Your head does the opposite. Well, it, it looks like a really good idea. I think this is good. If I don't do this, then what are people going to think of me? See, there's this battle that talks about in the, in the book of Romans. Actually, in Romans chapter 7, it talks about that very battle going on. But the key is to be able to isolate the voice of God in your spirit. And be able to hear that voice. You know, when Elijah was fleeing from the presence of Jezebel in 1 Kings, he ran away. Here's this great, mighty man. He had, he had just, uh, God had just proved himself to be Lord over all the gods of Baal. And he, here he was running from Jezebel. And he's feeling really sorry for himself. He's feeling bad. He's like, where are you, God? How come you're not here with me? How come you're not saving me? And during that time, God came in a, a strong wind. 
And when you read it, I mean, it, it's not just like a little blowing of the leaves wind. It was a strong wind, but it says, but God wasn't in the wind. And then after the wind, there was an earthquake, and it shook the rocks around Elijah. And the Bible says, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Following the earthquake, there was a fire. And it says, but God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, it says he came in what? A still, small voice. And sometimes we just have to shut off all the other voices, shut off the earthquakes and the fire, and we have to shut off the wind and the noise of life around us to be able to hear that still, small voice because he is speaking. And all that rattling and going on, this must be God. This, I think that I just want to do what's right, and this seems like the right thing to do. And you go, oh, I got to do it. I got to do it. Well, if that's the case, you just take two steps back, and you wait for that still, small voice. And he'll, he'll speak it. He'll give you this. He'll give you an inner witness of just what to do. He'll confirm it with his word. He always confirms it with his word. Always. We can convince ourselves that God told us to do about anything. But it will always line up with this because he'll never contradict himself. And so you feel like, I feel a peace about this. I feel like I should keep going. I feel like this is the direction I'm supposed to go. God, will you give me a confirmation in your word? Have someone speak that out to me. Maybe even this morning when I'm sharing, it's the confirmation that you've been asking for. Would you confirm your word? He loves to do that. There's not one scripture not one scripture that he has put in here that he hasn't put in for a reason. And now, when he says, I will lead, lead, lead you by peace, what, guess what? That means we need to be led with peace. He knows that. So he's giving us the, the insight to be able to say how he is leading us. Proverbs 12, verse 26 says this, even with regards to friendships, in regards to relationships. Young women, when that, that guy asks you out, and it's like, I'm just, he's the one I've been waiting for. And then he says to you, if you really love me, go to bed with me. Know that there's a red light inside your heart and you know it. Follow that. It's a trap. It's trying to pull you in, Satan's trying to pull you into a ditch. Young woman, you better not be enticing somebody to get a guy into that place. And young men, be a Joseph. And flee the very appearance of evil. So I can't believe they're talking about it. It's here in this congregation. It's here in this church because it counsels you. God's speaking. He's saying, I want to keep you on that victory lane. I want to keep you on that place where I've got wholeness and joy. And I've got fullness. Of, I've got plans ahead that are so beyond what you could even think. Say, so, well, I don't deserve it. You're right, you don't. None of us do. But he's done it anyway. And he's waiting. He's absolutely waiting for us to listen to his voice. Say, okay, God, what do you have for me? I'm just going to sit long enough to hear your plan and lay mine down. It doesn't mean he's going to switch them all. He might keep you on the very same track. He may not change anything. But the fact is that we've submitted it to him. And as we submit it to him, often what he wants to do is begin to unwrap a bow and open up a package or a gift and say, this is for you. This is, this is for your future. There's something you haven't even thought about that I have for you. I've thought about it because I've thought about you. And it's bigger than you are. But I want to do this through you. He's not trying to keep us from things so that we can't have fun or so we can't do this or we can't. That's not the reason. It's so that he can unwrap this gift and he can give it to us. 
and we can walk in that so much more than we could have ever expected it to be. Wow. Relationships in particular, don't settle for the get-by. Don't settle for seconds. Oh, if, if, I, if I say no to this, then they'll, I'll, I'll never be with anyone. That is such a lie. It's worth contending for and say, God, I believe in for your best. I, I know you have someone that has like interests. Their, their desire for you is like my desire for you. He's so able to do that. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. A verse there in your notes, Psalm 46, going back to the red light, be still and know that I am God. You know that verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15? You know what's interesting about that verse is that there is a correlation between his peace and us being thankful. And when we're in that place of the red zone, that red light where it's just that stop place where our minds are like, no, this doesn't make sense. I should be going ahead. I should be doing this now, but I feel like, no, I'm, I'm going to listen to that. God, thank you. That's, that's where the power comes when we just say, God, thank you that you're speaking to me. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you want to do this for me. The third one is a winding road ahead. It's not a smooth, open road. A road without bends or turns is boring. But not only can it be boring, but it can actually be dangerous. In Saskatchewan, you, we, there is a, if everyone, anyone has driven the number one highway through Saskatchewan, that's it. They've actually put bends in the road simply for the safety of the drivers because it could just go straight but they've actually made turns in it because it just gets it's so boring and it's so tedious that you actually get sleepy there's, there's nothing to do but just hold the wheel and so they've actually put turns in for the protection of the people and that's what God has done for us he, he has put winding roads in for our protection we think that it's they're obstacles we think that there's things that come up in our life and they're just oh, they're just they're they just take us off course. C.S. Lewis has a really great quote. He says this, Stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's real life. The truth, of course, is this. This is precisely one's real life. None of us are without obstacles or what we call interruptions. Somehow we think that this road should just be straight on. Man, if we're, if we're serving God and we're doing what's right, the road should just be smooth sailing ahead. But actually it's not. And part of the reason it's not is for our safety. So we take these turns, and you may have two or three turns in your life. The person sitting beside you could have 20 turns. The person beside them could have 50 turns. That's not the point. The point is, is that God is walking us through these different obstacles that come along. And it's really his timetable, not ours. How do, we, how do we walk through this? How do we drive through this? Well, if you've driven on the road to Whistler and you have some of these winding roads, you have to be much more alert than if you're just on an open highway. And so it is with us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. So when we're, one of the reasons we have one of those, those twists and turns in our life is just to keep us on track because we're more alert. We're, we're watching more. Okay, this came up. How do I deal with this? When God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. He said, do not tremble or be dismayed because he knew Joshua was going to have the opportunity to tremble and be dismayed. 
So he gave the answer. When he says in his word, my God will supply all of his needs, all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Guess what he's saying? You're going to have an opportunity where you need to know that I will provide all of your needs. So when he says, I am the Lord God that heals thee, why is he saying that? Because we're going to have an opportunity to pull on that and say, God, I'm asking you to touch my body or that of a loved one. Why? Because he knew that that would happen. So he's giving us promises. We want to follow the promises of God, but the promises of God are in there for the situations or the winds or the turns or the interruptions of our life that we know that we can trust God's word and we can find something to help get us through that turn. Delight yourself in the Lord and what? He'll give you what? The desires of your heart. There's desires in our heart. So what's he telling us? He's got some, there's desires in every one of us, but if you delight in me, watch what I'll do with them. Every single promise that he talks about for us, there's a correlation of what we're going through and then we have something to stand on while we're going through it. Isn't that good news? And you read scriptures through that up, through that lens, you'll notice that it's not just this straight, victorious life. The minute you give your life to Jesus, you'll never have another problem. It's a bed of roses from there on. No. And if anyone told you that, they're lying. It's not the case. But you have somebody leading you and guiding you through those bends and through those obstacles and all the turns that you go through. I'm reminded of a young person that not too long ago completely changed their major at school to something so different than what they thought they would be doing. And all their life they thought they were going one direction. It was such a huge decision to change it. And now they just have such a peace about what they're doing. Here's a little video clip, something very similar. Let's watch this. When did you decide to become a baker? Um, in college. Oh, like a cooking college? I went to Harvard Law, actually. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. I just assumed it was... No. No, fine. I didn't finish. Something happened? No. I was barely accepted. I mean, really. Barely. The only reason they let me come was because of my essay. How I was going to make the world a better place with my degree. And... Anyway, we would have to participate in these study sessions, my classmates and I, sometimes all night long. And so I'd bake. So no one would feel hungry while we worked. Sometimes I'd bake all afternoon in the kitchen and the dorm, and then I'd bring my little treats to the study groups, and people loved them. Eat. I made oatmeal cookies, peanut butter bars, dark chocolate macadamia nut wedges. And everyone would eat and stay happy and study harder and do better on the tests. And then more and more people started coming to the study groups and I'd bring more snacks. And I was always looking for better and better recipes until soon it was ricotta cheese and apricot croissants and mocha bars with an almond glaze and lemon chiffon cake with zesty peach icing. Mm. At the end of the semester, I had 27 study partners, eight mead journals filled with recipes, and a D average. So I dropped out. I just figured if I was going to make the world a better place, I would do it with cookies. (laughs) It's right at lunchtime. I never thought about that with that clip. (laughs) Sorry about that. 
It did sound, I, I, it sounded really well. But, but you see that you might be here today listening to that and say, you know what, that, that's me. I feel like I'm doing what I was always told I should be doing, and, but my passion is over here. Friend, maybe today is the day that God's saying, why don't you lay that in front of me? And there may be a change that he's taking you through. There might be a, a winding part of your road that you weren't expecting. But even as I'm sharing this, you know it's for you. And you know even what that next step will be, and it's, it seems it's like such a huge leap of faith because it's so different from where you are right now. But he will grace you to take the leap of faith and he'll bless you because you're, you're following him. Your heart knows it. You know it. It might be a job. It might be schooling. It also might be a relationship. You know that it's just time to call it quits. I urge you to listen to him. Heed his spirit this morning as he's speaking to you. How do we stay on that winding road and stay on track? We do it with our mouth. James chapter 1, verse 9 says, Dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Interesting. He also talks about it being the rudder of our life, our words, what we say. So we want to speak his word as we walk through that. We want to watch the words that come out of our mouth because in Proverbs 13, 3, it says, Whoever controls his tongue protects his own life. Whoever has a big mouth comes to ruin. We, we can pretty well tell when things come into our life. We say, man, that was just, that was unfair. That, was, that came from outside, not from within. But then there's times where you just say, I can't believe I just said that. Man, that was just a really silly thing to do. What happens when we say things like that? Uh, when we control things like that, we actually protect our life. And we're watching. There's, there's a way for us to, to watch over our own integrity, again, with the words that we say. Rudyard Kipling, it should say Rudyard, not Robert. Words are, of course, the most powerful drug used by mankind. It's a powerful statement that when we speak, we can speak words of life to our children. We can speak words of life to our mate. We can speak words of life to our loved ones. We can speak words of life into our brothers and sisters in the church. We speak words of life to them. And by doing so, we are helping them as well We're, while they're on that winding road. You know that you can say one thing to someone that is encouraging, that they can just grab onto and know that they're going the right direction. Have you ever had that right word, that, that season that the Proverbs talks about? It's just like in settings of gold. It's just that word spoken just at the right time. God used someone else, and they didn't even realize what they were saying. But God had them speak it to you for an appointed time, just to give you that encouragement that even though the road seems winding, you're on the right road. And that's what we can be for ourselves as well as for other people. And then finally, the fourth one is watch for falling rocks. There's going to be circumstances beyond our control that could affect our journey. The actions or situations of others could cause falling rocks in our lives. What would be some of those falling rocks? Well, those are those unseen things. That's the, the opportunity where you were, you were treated wrongly, the, where you, you put your trust into someone and they totally abused it. And you, you actually trusted them and thought they would be honest with it, and it turned out that they were dishonest. And now they slander your name. That's a falling rock. That's an unforeseen circumstance that you find yourself in. And the Lord's saying, even when there's falling rocks around you, let your protection be 
Let me be your protection. Psalm 91, where he says that you can abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know what I love about that verse is wherever there's a shadow, the real thing is near. And so when we're in the shadow of the Almighty, you know the Almighty is right there. And he's watching over you. He'll guide us. The Holy Spirit wants to be our guide. John 16 says he guides us into what? He guides us into truth so we know what to do. What would another falling rock be? It could be strife. Could be a religious attitude where it's just coming down at you and say, no, that's, that wasn't what my intention was. Could be greed. Could be ignoring God's voice. Any of these fallen rocks that come down on us, God's provided a way of escape, as we heard last week, that in every area, and I love that analogy that Dave used last week, that it's like, a, it's like being a, you know, the, the main character in a good spy movie, and you're, you're caught in this room, and you know there's a way out, and you're the one that has to figure it out where it is. That's what Jesus has done for us. He's always, he provides a way of escape, and whatever situation we find ourselves closed in on, there's a way of escape. James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, well, you know what? I'm just going to get through this unforgiveness, or I'm going to get through this strife, and I'm going to give them what they deserve, and then afterwards I'm going to ask for forgiveness. No. He's saying here, if you already know the right thing to do, and you don't do it, it becomes sin. So don't get caught in that poison that that other person is walking in. Then Isaiah 45, verse 2 and 3, and I love this verse, We've used it many, many times over the years. I will go before you and make rough places smooth. I will shatter the doors of bronze and cut through their iron bars. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden wealth in secret places so that you may know it is I, the Lord God of Israel, who calls you by your name. You know what that verse tells me? It tells us that there's going to be some rough places. There's going to be some bars that are going to have to be shattered. That it's not going to just be smooth sailing from here on but he's going to shatter them. He's going to push us through to the other side. That when he, and on that other side, there's some hidden wealth. Well, that wealth could be financial, but it's so much more than that. There's some hidden surprises over on the other side of, well, just stay on the road, stay winding along, keeping him at the steering wheel, watch out for the falling rocks, and just get to the other side. I hope this message today touched your heart at some point. Pray that it did, because it's, it's for each one of us. This victory lane, victory actually comes from the Greek word Nike, and we all know the word Nike. Nike is just do it. So we're on this just do it lane. It's a lane of grace rather than road rage. It's a lane of forgiveness rather than obstacles. It's a lane of power rather than road closures. It's a lane of peace rather than poor visibility. It's a lane of holiness rather than potholes. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.